Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode number 32. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and today we're going to be talking about or explaining bonds. Now, you're probably saying, well, I know a little bit about bonds, but I often get questions just getting into more specifics, not only for the investor, meaning for a bond, but also how to look at corporations when they issue debt, how they're rated, how to even look up what type of tranches of, uh, of debt is out there. And so I thought it'd be instructive to do a quick episode this week on that very thing. So when we think about a bond, most people understand what a bond is, but obviously governments issue bonds, corporations issue bonds. And you know when you have, let's say, a government, uh, for example, the United States government currently has $21 trillion in debt, and some of that is debt held by the public. Other is we're sort of borrow one agency, borrows from another. We'll get into that on this podcast. But the U.S. government issues U.S. Treasury bonds and U.S. Treasury bills. And so U.S. Treasuries are what constitute our national debt. And obviously, the higher the interest rate on average that the U.S. government is paying, the more net interest payments as a percent of the federal budget goes up. I did an episode recently getting into some things about the federal budget, and I will, of course, link to that, as if you have really an interest in that side of things, you'll enjoy that episode. But then, of course, corporations issue bonds as well, and corporations issue bonds to raise capital and get funding, and depending upon how they're rated and how many years and things like that and the environment, they uh, pay a certain amount of interest. So first things first, though, when somebody buys a bond, essentially, for lack of a better term, they're lending money to whoever the issuing, uh, you know, whether it's a company or a government. So let's just use the example of a company issues a bond. Okay. So typically bonds are in $1,000 increments. And it's a little bit odd when they issue them, they're issued at par. Uh, Believe it or not, the price is 100, but that actually means 1,000. And so par value is always $1,000. And barring default, a bond gets issued. And then however many years or days or whatever it is until maturity, uh, barring defaults, the investor gets par value at the end of it. So bonds have a par value. They're issued at uh, really a price. But they're also issued at an interest rate. And so there's a couple things that are important to investors. Uh, number one is let's say let's use that thousand dollar bond, corporate bond that gets issued. Let's say it's a ten year corporate bond, and they're going to issue it at five percent. Well, five percent is the coupon, and typically what happens is on a thousand dollar bond, five percent coupon, you figure out the annual interest that you'll receive off par value, not the current market price. So five percent on a thousand is fifty dollars, if my math is correct. And typically that's paid out twice a year. So it's not always in the same month. So it might be February and then you kind of go six months later and then it's August or it could be January and then it could be, uh, what's what's six months? Uh, July. There you go. So you've got these, these coupon payments and the idea is each and every year, the bond is going to pay its coupon uh, once or twice, normally twice a year until maturity. Now, that bond then has a couple things when investors are looking at it. Number one, it has a coupon rate. We've already said that's 5%. 
The other thing it has is a yield to maturity. And uh, the yield to maturity is important because bonds have sensitivities to interest rates. They also can have sensitivities to changes in ratings, and I'll talk about ratings in a second. But let's say that you had that $1,000 bond that was issued at 5% with a 10-year maturity, and interest rates all of a sudden tomorrow spike up to 10%. And boy, that would be quite a spike. Well, if you could buy a new bond and pay $1,000 and get 10% coupon, meaning $100 a year instead of $50 a year, one would say, well, who would buy the other bond? Nobody would want that other bond, all else being equal. Let's say it's the same same rating, maybe even the same company or the same government, right? So what happens is if interest rates go up, bond prices have an inverse relationship, meaning they go down. So interest rates go up, bond prices go down, interest rates go down, bond prices go up. And so naturally what would happen is that new bond issued at $100 or $1,000 in par value, right, at 10%, that 5% bond now would decline by quite a bit, uh, and it would be trading less than par. So that's where yield to maturity comes in, because yield to maturity looks at not only the coupon payments, but also any appreciation or depreciation to anticipated par value at maturity. And so let's say a bond goes down to $700 in price. Well, there's $300 to be made going to par value eventually, barring defaults at maturity, but you're also getting interest rate payments. And so yield to maturity is one of the ways to take a look at a bond because a lot of times bonds are only listed. So if you have one in your account or you own, let's say, a mutual fund, which of course is a diversified portfolio of many bonds or an exchange traded fund, same thing, diversified portfolio of many bonds as opposed to one. But if you only had a single bond and you look at your statement, you're going to see a bond and then you're going to see a percentage. That's the coupon rate. And the yield to maturity, though, does take into account not only the coupon that you're receiving, the interest, but also appreciation or depreciation to maturity. And so yield to maturity is also something that's important. So we've got this bond. And let's go back to the original thing. We say, okay, well, $1,000 bond at 5% coupon for the next 10 years, great. Thank you very much. I'll take my my 5% a year. But how is the interest rate determined? It's a few things. Certainly the current rates or current market rates of interest are going to have a big determination on what new bonds get issued at. Obviously, if the interest rate environment is much higher, you would expect bond prices, or rather, should I say, interest rates to also trend higher as well. But generally, when you think about a bond, there's a couple things. And although right now we're in what's called an inverted yield curve, and uh, that simply means that the bonds on the shorter end of the maturity curve, meaning those that are uh, short-term, you know, six-month, one-year, two years, they're actually a little bit higher than some of the ones, let's say, even five years or, or uh, you know, I think the six-month is higher than the 10-year bond at this point. But generally, there's a bit of a time premium the further you go out. But then also, how a bond is rated. Now, think about it this way. If you're going to loan a friend money, and that friend is you know, no, no problems expecting them to pay you back, you would say, well, I would rate them very high. But let's say you had another friend who asked to, to loan 
you know, for a loan of money from you and uh, you're not really too sure. You're not really sure of their financial situation. So you might not rate them as much. And all else equal, you'd say, well, the one who has a really high expectation of paying you back, that person would have a higher rating. And maybe you would lend the money at a lower interest rate. The one who, well, a little bit more of a risk, we're going to make the interest rate much higher to you know, compensate me for taking that extra risk and loaning you money. And so one of the things that happens is these rating agencies, and they, they rate corporate bonds, they rate government bonds as well. But Moody's and S&P and Fitch are two of the, the large rating agencies. And so what they do is they separate the bonds. They call it you know high grade, upper medium grade, lower medium grade. And then that's in, those areas are considered investment grade. Uh, investment grade meaning, you know, generally, uh, according to the rating agencies, more of a, uh, a higher expectation of, you know, being safer in receiving the the principal back at the end of the term, right? Well, non-investment grade or speculative, uh, which is also nicknamed junk, uh, that's where a lot of companies below the investment grade level, uh, and they are required to pay higher rates of interest. So think about it this way, and I'll give you some examples. S&P and Fitch use the same letter designations to rate their bonds. And so the highest rating you can possibly have is AAA rated. AAA rated, you know, according to the agencies, would say there's really, really low, low, low probability of not being paid your interest payments and then not receiving your uh, sum at the end of the, uh, you know, the, the par value uh, at the end of the, uh, the term. And so they, the way they do it is AAA, AA plus, AA, AA minus, A plus. I'll put a link to uh, to a graphic of this. And then the lowest uh, investment grade that you can have is triple B. And then the lowest of the triple Bs is triple B minus. Now Moody's gets a little bit. Uh, I don't want to say cute with their ratings, but their top AAA is A, and then single or lowercase A, lowercase A. And so triple B and triple B is the same for S&P and Fitch, but their version, Moody's version of triple B is BAA2, okay? So they just use a different denomination of uh, or rating, uh, but you can equate those. And so the lower the rating, the higher the risk and the higher the interest that one would seek out for the bond, Okay. So you kind of see it's it's a combination of term or duration, but it's also a combination of perceived risk. And ratings are one way to kind of evaluate bonds uh, across a, a various spectrum. So the other thing is the idea of there's a yield to call. And so some bonds have what's called a call provision, meaning a company issues a bond for 10 years, but maybe after year three or whenever, they have the right to call the bond back at a certain price. And you might think, well, why would a, a company want to do that? Well, imagine that they issued bonds at 10% and they had a junk rating and interest rates are rather high. Well, maybe this company has done unbelievably well or simply the interest rate environment has changed. And so what they can do is call back in the bonds at, let's say, that 10% coupon or whatever the higher rate is and reissue new bonds to pay off the old bonds to call them in but when they issue the new ones, it's done at a lower interest rate. We actually saw a lot of this right around the financial crisis, 2008, 
we had companies that had a lot of debt out there. And of course, the Federal Reserve lowers interest rates the next to nothing. And a lot of companies were able, if it was callable, if it had call provision, they could call those bonds in, uh, reissue new debt at much lower interest rates, and then pay off the old ones. So yield to call is another thing, but that is a benefit that companies uh, certainly have. So the other thing, and I'm going to link to a podcast where we got much more detailed into how interest rates affect bond prices. But if you know nothing else, it's, well, we have the first thing. Interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Interest rates go down, bond prices go up. But bonds have something called modified duration. And so this is something that's uh, kind of confusing for a lot of people. A 10-year bond doesn't necessarily go up or down 10% for every 1% uh, rise or lowering of interest rates. And the reason why that is, duration is a combination of the time to maturity and the coupon rate. And so let's say you have a 10-year bond and it's got a certain amount of coupon. It's modified duration or sensitivity interest rates, uh, for example, let's say it's only 7 or 8 um, on a modified duration for a 10-year bond because you're taking into account a couple things. And once you know the modified duration, you know how much a bond would go up or down. And so if interest rates went up, let's say 100 basis points or 1%, you would expect a modified duration of 7 to go down about 7%. Okay, It's a little more complicated than that, but duration is important. And what you should know as well, the longer the maturity, uh, that affects the amount of duration or interest rate sensitivity. But also, and this is a, a less known fact, the coupon rates themselves also affect duration. And I'll explain. A 10-year bond at a 1% coupon is going to be much more sensitive, meaning having a higher modified duration, than a 10-year bond with a 10% interest rate. And again, I'll, I'll link to one where I get into the numbers a little bit more. But one way to look at this is, let's say you had a 10-year bond paying 1%. Well, 1% on that same $1,000 bond example that we used well, that's going to pay you $10 a year. But a bond with a 10% coupon is going to pay $100 a year. So after six years, you've already received $600 on uh, the bond with the higher coupon. On the one with the 1%, after six years, you've only received $60. And so that's another way to think about how the higher the coupon sort of uh, gives a little bit more margin for error and, and you get paid back quicker. All right. But again, I'll link to that. Okay. So we've talked about, and most people own bonds. They might own them in an exchange traded fund or they might own them in a mutual fund, uh, but others own individual bonds. But that's sort of the way that you should look at that. Um, a couple things that are important. Now, if we look at it from the corporate side, there's a couple important things. And Companies that issue bonds, people look at how much debt they have, they look at their, their interest coverage ratio, and I'll explain what that is. But when you have interest expense, you've obviously got an expense of interest. And so, uh, and obviously companies have different ratings. One of the things that is looked at uh, when we think about a corporate bond is if you want to see what a company's debt is, you can look at their balance sheets. You can look at, uh, you know, for interest payments, you can look at statement of cash flows or income statement. But if you actually want to look and see, hey, I wonder 
how much in bonds they have out there and when those bonds come due. And so one of the, the ways you can do that, uh, in fact, I pulled up uh, Netflix uh, just as an example and uh, looking at their 10K or their annual report for 2018, in the notes section, they actually list uh, their bonds. And so you can see how many in millions. And you can also see the issuance date, the maturity date, the interest due dates. And you can also see the percent coupon. And so just looking here, very quickly, there's a 5.875% note. And a note is also another term for a bond. Uh, that one matures in 2025. It pays in April and October. And so basically on whatever amounts there, it looks like uh, about $800 million. Uh, Is that right? Um, I could be wrong there. But whatever the amount is on this, they owe 5.875% interest annually, broken up into two payments across April and October. So I bring this up. Uh, here's another one, 6.375%. Uh, here's 3.625, uh, although that is actually denominated in euros, so not in U.S. dollars. Uh, there's another one that's denominated in euros. But the maturity dates are interesting for a couple reasons. And one of them is, as you have bonds that come due, well, a company has to then go pay back the original amount of or the par value, Right. So if you issued, let's say, $10 million in bonds and you've been paying the interest and then they come to maturity, you've got to pay, pay off the bonds. Well, a lot of companies uh, might do that, but a lot of companies might not. A lot of companies, what they might do is issue new bonds to pay the old bonds and sort of roll over the debt. And that's important for a number of things. Number one is uh, what's their rating? Is their rating the same as it was in the issue of the debt? Meaning if their rating goes down... Theoretically, their interest rate goes up. But also, let's say you had a company that issued a lot of bonds at a very favorable interest rate when interest rates are making you know, five, 600-year lows, and that debt comes due at a much higher interest rate environment. So their interest cost, their annual interest cost could actually go up. But, you know, and this, this is why a company's rating, and by the way, you know, in the news recently, so Ford Motors, Ford was downgraded to the uh, I believe it was triple B, but it's the last rung before junk. And obviously, a, if a company gets downgraded to junk, their borrowing cost goes up. Um, so the, these are all things that people look at. There's also some ratios or, yeah, I'll, I'll call them ratios. For example, there's something called the interest coverage ratio. And that just looks at the EBIT, which of course is earnings before interest and taxes divided by interest expenses. And you want to see basically your net operating income divided by your interest expense to see what the ratio is. Now, the more money above, you know, if you've got $10 million and you only owe a million dollars in interest, well, you've got a 10 uh, ratio, right? So to give an example, just sticking with a Netflix example, um, on their March 2019, uh, and then I pulled this off the internet. And of course, the internet is always right, right? But according to this uh, site, they said $459 million was their net operating income, $136 million was their interest expense for the quarter, and they would have a ratio of 3.39. Obviously, the higher the better, and if your interest rate, if your interest coverage ratio is less than one, it would mean that your interest expense is higher than your, your operating income. So that's one of the things to look at for a corporation. 
to see what their interest coverage ratio is. Uh, the other one that a lot of people look at is what's called the debt ratio. So in the debt ratio, you're basically taking the total debt divided by total assets. And the higher the ratio there, because debt is you know up top, uh, that means the more leveraged the company is. And so companies, uh, and this also plays into, of course, uh, maybe we'll do an episode at some point about how people value a, or try to value a company using something like a discounted cash flow to equity um, or dividend uh, growth model. There's a, a couple different things. But this also gets into the idea that when you're evaluating a corporation, you're trying to figure out what's their financial condition, what does their balance sheet look like, what are their liabilities, the assets, the liabilities, but you're also looking at uh, the health of a company. And so all this stuff sort of plays out. Um, but I, I mentioned, you know, the whole discounted free cash flow to equity. And a lot of that looks at what a company's weighted average cost of capital is. And that's just a fancy way of saying, look, companies issue stock and stock investors require some sort of return and they issue debt. And that's debt and shares are two of the ways that they capitalize, let's say, a company. And so the higher the interest rate, and the higher the required return for equity investors, the larger somebody's cost of capital is. And that goes back to valuation in a company. Uh, probably I'll leave it there on that. We'll do that maybe in another episode. But so, and this brings us back to kind of full circle about the idea of the US government debt. So, the US government debt, it's no secret to anybody, it has gone up quite a bit. What is interesting, though, is that if you look at the average interest rate across all the treasuries, and so we've got all this debt out there, different maturities issued at different times, but the blended weighted average interest rate, uh, it actually had gotten down to as low as about 2%. Now it's roughly 2.4, 2.5%. Meaning, you know, quick back of the napkin, if you've got 20 trillion of debt times the 2.5%, that's what you owe in interest every year. But you go back to just around March of 2000 or right around there, the average interest rate on the debt was 6%. So next year, I believe it's going to be about $520 billion is going to be the net interest payments, meaning the, the amount that the U.S. government has to pay in interest on its debt. So one of the things that might happen is, well, I mean, who knows where interest rates are going to go, but if interest rates were to rise, you could see that interest, that net interest payment, that annual amount of interest that's due actually start to climb quite a bit because now we've got more debt than we've ever had, but interest rates have been low. And so uh, I'll post to that episode where I talked about the U.S. government and debt and how uh, some people out there want to do some different programs. And the question is, is it even possible to even pay for it? Uh, so we go over a couple of those things. So, all right. So we'll leave it there. Uh, hopefully this helped you understand a little bit more about the bonds, but also thinking about it from the corporate angle. Because when you're looking at companies, uh, interest, net interest expense, coverage ratios, how much debt, when the debt comes due, what a company's rating is, all of that can be helpful in trying to understand a corporation's financial health and its well-being and can help you also inform your decisions on investing. All right, folks, we'll leave it there. We'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, please, though, if you like what you hear and you think there's value, 
uh, go ahead and share it with somebody. Uh, whether, rather than waste time asking you to rate and review and five stars and all that, just share it. And of course, uh, hit me up at razorwealth.com and shoot me any suggestions for future episodes or questions. Talk to you soon.